Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is it. This is it. Day five. And those of you who have watched all of these episodes, I know you're probably fighting mad at this point. And I hope people be respectful uh, in, in the comments and things. Let's not just go slandering and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, don't please don't act like maniacs. You'll make me look like an idiot. You make it look like I got a bunch of nut job paint eating followers and stuff like that. Please do not do that. Um, again, we we disagree with Brother Alexander on eschatology. I do not know much about the individual. Um, I I have met him years and years ago. I heard him preach. Uh, the only thing I really have known about him before these videos was he's a kind of a, he's a Baptist history guy. And um, I, I, I enjoy reading about Baptist history, hearing about Baptist history. I'm not by, by any means an expert on that subject, but I'm thankful for people who study those things. And so uh, I've got nothing personal against Brother Alexander. It's just I, I came across these videos and started watching them. And I'm like, I, I just can't believe people are still using some of these arguments. I feel like some of these things have been so thoroughly, so publicly debunked so many times that it just, it astounds me. People are still repeating these things. And I do think a lot of it is because uh, pre-tribbers tend to isolate themselves, kind of remain in an echo chamber. Uh, they do not allow their positions to ever be challenged. And hey, that's fine. You don't have to listen to every heretic out there. You don't have to listen to every argument that's out there. However, if you are going to respond to the so-called heretics and other positions and things out there, you better know what you're talking about. You better be familiar with what they actually teach. If you are going to call someone out, you better be willing to uh, have a conversation and, and allow people to hold you accountable for your words. And if you need a rebuke, you ought to be willing to take that rebuke. If you make a mistake, you ought to be willing to fix that mistake. And so even after you've seen all these videos, okay, and if you still do not agree with the post-trib, because there's, yeah, obviously there's still other arguments and things out there, but I just want pre-tribbers to just keep asking themselves, why does our side say so much dumb stuff? Why does our side contradict so many scriptures? Why are they constantly misusing scripture to try to prove a pre-tribulation rapture? And, and one of these days, you're going to just come to the conclusion. It's just because it's false. And we have, we have displayed many blatant contradictions. We've not even been focusing on a lot of the little things uh, where we're, we're covering big things and the, the pre-trib doctrine, it's riddled with stuff like this. Because in my estimation, it's just completely false. And so, again, I, I have no interest in attacking pre-tribbers, but I do want to challenge them. I, I want them to be sound in their doctrine and in their faith. And let me tell you something, too. I feel like I have every right to do this because for sure there is much more hostility from pre-tribbers towards post-tribbers and pre-rathers than there are from post-trivers, at least from me, towards them. Yeah, we, there's some there's some pain-eating post-trivers out there that act like fools and nut jobs, but that is not me. Uh, uh, absolutely not me at all, uh, nor most, nor the people who I fellowship are, are they like that. So um, th these things are not attacks. Baptists, they, they have avoided persecution. 
uh, because they think it's the wrath of God for so long that somebody responding to a public video of theirs, they do. They think it's persecution. Some Baptists think that they're uh, going to, you know, they're going through all this persecution because I have a sermon clip, shared a clip of theirs. And it's just like, man, you all have no idea. You have, you have no idea, but uh, that's, it's always kind of frustrating to listen to that. But we have got 12 minutes and 55 seconds more of Brother Alexander defending pre-tribulationism. I, again, I have not seen this video, so we are going to watch and you will get my genuine reaction. So here we go. Hello, this is Ted Alexander again. And uh, it's been quite a while since I've done a video and uh, I was originally expecting to do uh, probably close to 20 of the uh, pre-tribulational, premillennial uh, position videos. I've only accomplished, um, I believe, 10 to this point. And, uh, but I wanted to continue on and uh, I finally got some time. I've actually been studying theology all day and teaching theological systems at Masters Baptist College in Fargo. Uh, this week and uh, taught ancient Baptist heritage last week. And so I've been hitting the books uh, most of the day, each day. And uh, <clears throat> I've been studying Praetorism today and uh, studying the uh, allegoricalism, uh, spiritualizing method of the Roman Catholic institution and uh, trying to teach where Reformed uh, Covenant Catholic and uh, Catholic Reformed theology came from, how they arrive at such uh, erroneous positions. And at any rate, uh, through that, um, I felt that, uh, you know, I, I really needed to just stop for a moment and do a video. And so um, I know there's a passage or two that I've been wanting to deal with and correlate them as we have in the past with other uh, passages, dovetail them as we say, and just haven't had time to do that. So what I'm going to do is, if you'll take your Bible, please, and you'll turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, and also uh, Revelation chapter 4, <clears throat> we're going to show you some, some interesting features of these two passages, and uh, answer the question uh, that maybe some have had, uh, and that question is simply this, why have some stated uh, that the rapture we see of John in John chapter number four, uh, why has it been stated that that is our rapture? Or why does it indicate the timing of our rapture? And I want to try to show you uh, that I do believe, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, using all the uh, features of the text, using the proper hermeneutic, um, I do believe that uh, God is no doubt showing us the timing of our rapture and that there is indeed a rapture. And he's showing us that uh, by uh, taking this passage of Scripture again, lifting it out, and laying it down upon another passage, um, and them dovetailing together. Um, I was just teaching the students last night, one of the overriding principles of biblical interpretation is that line must be upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And uh, every cult in the world has been built off of a supposition, uh, one verse, one passage, uh, you know, one book taken out of its context. Uh, they get the recipients wrong. Uh, they get uh, the author and the recipients wrong. Uh, they get the setting wrong. They get the context wrong. They get the manner and customs wrong, uh, whatever the case might be. <clears throat> and they jump off at that spot uh, without any other basis in any other scripture. And so I'm going to have to very quickly move through this um, with that being said, but the three minute mark. So first Thessalonians chapter four, comparing it with Revelation four, does it indicate to us um, a timing uh, for the rapture and that there is indeed a rapture? Well, I want us to start 
in the passage that in previous videos we've established is clearly Christ coming for the saints, not with the saints, but for the saints. And I want to establish that First uh, Thessalonians 4 is indeed a pre-tribulation rapture, and uh, this is bolstered and uh, upheld when you compare this with Revelation chapter 4. So I'm beginning in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and I would ask you to get your Bible out, <clears throat> again, as we always do, First Thessalonians chapter number 4. And uh, I would have you to notice here, and we've gone through this passage in light of other texts, and so I'm not going to belabor the point of giving context. You can go back and watch the first 10 videos at your leisure. Um, but I do want you to notice that uh, this is the rapture. And in verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow even as others which have no hope. And so saints that have died, they're in the graves. There is a concern about that. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That's the resurrection of the saved of the time of the church age or the times of the Gentiles, okay? That is not a Jewish resurrection. That's not an Old Testament saint resurrection. That happens prior to the millennial kingdom, according to the book of Ezekiel. Verse 15. For this all right, let me just stop again, because it, so it's looking like we're going to get repetition. So let me first off commend Brother Alexander, because he did not descend into the thing where he did. He just went to the attacks, the ad hominem, all that kind of stuff that often uh, pre-tribbers do as they get going. It's like when they start teaching you know, I'm trying to prove a pre-trib and debunk the post-trib. You can like see, usually see the growing frustration that they're just not getting anywhere. Uh, Brian Denlinger is really good at this. Typically, uh, when, he, you know, I've watched some of his videos before, he's just kind of starts getting aggravated with himself. And it's like, he's having an argument, even though it's like, Hey, nobody's there. You were there all by yourself making this video and he's like getting more and more upset it's because it's like he knows his argument's not not working and then typically he resorts to and you know what if you just don't if you don't believe this you're just not saved and you know, that's that's a very common thing and it's always hilarious when he does stuff like that so let me commend brother alexander for not doing that i i definitely think he, he gets should get credit for that i predicted the possibility that he might end up doing that and he did not so I, I'm going to commend him there. That's good. Now, often what people do, uh, another method, this is not near as bad, but uh, often when things are not going like they wanted, um, they, they run out of material a lot faster than they think. So for a lot of people, when they start podcasts, they've got a few really good ideas, you know, and so they're going to go and they're going to start this podcast and it's going to be awesome. They're going to put out content every week, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, um, that, that's, that's the way it goes. And, but then they get three or four episodes in and then they're like out of stuff. They're like immediately out of stuff. So then typically what happens in most podcasts, it becomes very repetitious. It's just kind of the same thing over and over and over again. Cause they just, they didn't have much. They had some great ideas and they're, for, and, and they started out good, but they immediately ran out of stuff. And that's typically when they descend into insanity. And so if they don't go into insanity, they go into just repetition. And it looks like that's, what we're going to see here. Cause he's already covered a lot of this stuff. He's already talked about how the old Testament saints got resurrected at a different, or they're going to get resurrected at a different time. Now he's not displayed that in scripture. Maybe he will in this video. 
but he's stating this again. He's already showed us why he believes Revelation 4 is the rapture. So it looks like we're just going to get repetition of stuff that he's already covered. We're not going to get any new material. And he was hoping to originally do about 20 videos, but after he got about 10 in, he realized I don't have anything else. Okay. Now, having said all that, let's just talk about this podcast for a little bit. Do you realize that we have done, uh, I think roughly 120 episodes in less than a year time, 120. And we have had a huge variety of stuff on here. We have had a bunch of different guests and that 120 does not include, uh, old stuff that I have reposted from my other channel. I mean, folks, and I, I still have so many ideas, you know, that it's, it's kind of, it's kind of overwhelming. And that's why too, I'm this week. I thought I'm, I'm covering this. I'm, I'm giving everybody a podcast a day for this week. You know why? Cause I can't spend, I, I'm not spending five weeks in this one subject. I got too many other ideas that I want to get to. So there are occasionally we have weeks where we put out almost daily content because we've got that much. And again, it doesn't even take me that much study to prepare for these because the study's already been done. The preparation's already been made. So like these last three podcasts, no prep work. I just did them. It took me the time. It took me to record them. That's it because the time, the study, that's my life preparing for sermons. I've been teaching this stuff for several years now. And so we do, we, we've just got so much more, but when you're wrong, you run out of content so fast because you are very limited on the amount of Bible that you are able to use. And so that's a gotta be a frustrating thing, but boy, when you dump that pre-trib doctrine, when you dump that dispensational doctrine, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself using all of the Bible, not, and you, you're not going to have to be so repetitive. So I, I hope this isn't all just about revelation for being the rapture. Cause that is so weak and it's already, we've already talked about these things, and, but we'll, we'll go ahead and respond to them. As we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we, which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, which are asleep. We won't go before them. It'll be a simultaneous uh, action. Uh, however, we will be hot on the heels of those that are in the graves that are truly saved during this time frame. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven <clears throat> with a shout. For sake of time, I'll not read the whole passage now. We'll come back and read it all as we dovetail things. So the first feature that I would have you to notice, though, that during this rapture, during this catching away when Christ comes for the saints, the Lord himself descends from heaven. And, and so notice, first of all, that Christ is descending. Now, doors have a purpose and um, doors open to allow someone in or allow someone out. I would say that Jesus in the, is in the Father's house. And so no doubt the door of heaven opens in the Father's house. He departs and he is now descending from heaven with a shout. Well, what does the Bible tell us over here concerning Revelation chapter 4 in John's rapture? Well, notice what it says, if you would, Revelation 4, very quick. Notice what it says. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Again, doors are for one purpose, to allow people out or to allow someone to enter in. In this indication, we see that Jesus is leaving heaven. He is now descending down for the saints of the church age in the clouds, and he will not set his foot on this planet, but he will rapture them to the clouds. So notice that what? 
Wait, so Jesus is descending from heaven here in chapter four. See, after this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven and the first voice, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet, so loud like a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So a voice calls for him to come up and immediately I was in the spirit. When did Jesus uh, descend here? Uh, so we're see the four and 20 elders. We're seeing the four beasts. Uh, we see them singing, thou art worthy. They're seeing, you know, uh, so the only reference to Christ is when everybody is bowing before him that sits on the throne. So boy, you know, the, making revelation for the rapture is another fantastic example of eisegesis reading one's doctrine, own doctrine into the text. That is what he is doing here. Again, he, he mentioned in the last video about how like symbolism stuff that doesn't, that doesn't prove anything. Okay. But it, it can be icing on the cake. And so again, if you're right on a pre-trib rapture, you could say this is a picture whatever, but to declare this as proof is ridiculous. And this is one of their main proof texts. And it is so weak. One guy getting caught up in a spirit. We do not see Jesus coming in the clouds. We do not see Jesus leaving heaven. We don't see him getting off the throne in here. So boy, there, there's not even any similarities. Just, just certain words that are used like trumpet, even though it's not a trumpet, it's a voice like a trumpet, even though, you know, well, we have a catching away, but it's not a bodily catching away. It's a catching away in the spirit. So Oh man, this is bad. John's catching away a rapture here. Uh, it is predicated, or, just, or, or it, is, is, it follows um, that there's a door opened in heaven. I would submit to you the door is opened in First Thessalonians because Jesus is descending, and the door is actually uh, mentioned here by name in Revelation chapter four. That is the first feature that dovetails in both passages. Watch further, and you'll see again in chronological order how things begin to dovetail and make a whole lot of sense. Now, notice we'll stay here and we'll, we'll do a quick, more quickly this way. We'll start with the feature here and then backtrack to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Notice the second feature. The first one's a door. We find that in both passages. Notice the next one. A door was opened in heaven in the first voice which I heard. That's Revelation chapter 4 again, verse 1. Is there a voice, though, in 1 Thessalonians? Well, notice for chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He comes out the door with a shout. There's a voice. And then it specifically states and uses the same word we find in Revelation 4 with the voice of the archangel. Now, notice this. There's a door opened in both passages. Now, secondly, and in chronological order, again, uh, dovetailing them together, there is now a voice in both passages. So I'm telling you this, and I want you to understand this and so pay very close attention. What God is showing us in Revelation chapter 4 is prophetic. It, it, it deals with and indicates to us the timing of the pure rapture passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter Where's the door in 1 Thessalonians 4? There's no door in 1 Thessalonians 4. So he's trying to find things in common. And he's just taking words. So, so far he's taken the word door. That's not even in 1 Thessalonians 4. We've got a door open in common. What? The, the word door is not even in 1 Thessalonians.
So we've got a voice. So, I mean, boy, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> a voice. Say, uh, no, the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Here we have a voice calling up John. Not calling up all believers. And he only got caught up in the spirit. I mean, th this is this is weak. I, he keeps just telling us stuff is stated in the scriptures that isn't. There's no door in 1 Thessalonians 4. Where did he get the door? And I'll show you how that is in just a moment. But first, let's make sure God is actually comparing these two and indeed wanting us to take them line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. So we see two things now. We see, first of all, a door. Then we see a voice. Now we're going to go forward and use the feature in 1 Thessalonians for sake of time alone. Notice what it says in verse 16. For the, uh, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. So in this passage now, there's a trumpet. That's the third feature that the Bible presents to us when this actual happening takes place, okay? Well, would we find also in Revelation chapter number four that there would be a trumpet? And would it be in chronological order? If it is, either it's a great, great coincidence, or this must be an indication from God that the rapture here indicate, indicates the rapture of Revelation chapter four. For example, notice... Somebody tell me where I missed the door. Folks, there's, there's no door in 1 Thessalonians 4, and there's no trumpet. There's no trumpet in Revelation 4. Do you hear me? There's no trumpet in Revelation 4. There is a loud voice like a trumpet, like a trumpet, loud like a trumpet, and a trumpet are two different things. There is actually going to be a trump of God that sounds at the rapture, John, when he got called up to heaven in the spirit, he heard a voice like a trumpet. What does the Bible say? Lift up your voice like a trumpet. What's he doing? Yell loud, preach loudly. That's what he's saying. So look at all, boy, these are a lot of coincidences. We got a door, we got a voice, even though the way things are often communicated is with the voice. So, I mean, that's a lot of the Bible is people are hearing voices, you know, people speaking to them. They're hearing preaching. So we got a We've got a door, except there is no door in first Thessalonians four. We've got a, uh, we've got a voice. Yes, there is a voice in both. I don't really think that's a coincidence. And then we've got a trumpet both, except we don't have a trumpet in both. There's a trumpet in first Thessalonians four, no trumpet in revelation four. So folks, Look these things up. These are undeniable. And we'll see. In Revelation 4, verse 1 again, After this I looked, and behold, a door open in heaven, the first voice, there's number two, which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. Now we have three indicators. We have them in both passages of Scripture, and you can literally lift up one and lay it down on top of the other. That is the way that we establish doctrine in the Word of God. And so, uh, again, this is not our first defense. This is not grasping at straws using typology or using pictures. This is the 11th video, okay? And we have done this consistently through the Bible. And, and it's not because we're good or we're smart. The Bible is excellent and God is awesome. And God has made it this way so that we would not stumble. So we now th see three features in both passages. They appear and they are in chronological order. We'll backtrack again for sake of time. Now this will be the second time we'll do this. We did this the second feature and now the fourth feature. Note what it says. There's a voice. 
There's a trumpet. There's a door. But watch what he says. And the voice talks with him and says, come up hither. So there's a message uh, that that voice gives. And now God indicates what is being said by the voice. I would submit to you that's the fourth feature. And the voice specifically says, come up hither. Come on up. And John indeed does. He's caught away up into heaven. And his viewpoint of the tribulation period is from heaven, not down on this planet. Uh, he's not seen in view again until much later in the book of Revelation. We've talked about that before. For. Now, uh, does it indicate in any way, shape, or form that the message can be ascertained in 1 Thessalonians? Because that would be four features now and in chronological order in both passages. He, he said we're not using symbolism. So here's the thing. He keeps mentioning the door. There is no door in 1 Thessalonians. Nowhere. Nowhere in the whole book. The word is never there. There's no door in 1 Thessalonians. Why does he keep, we got a door. There is a voice. I'll give him that. We got. We have a voice. We've got voices all over the Bible. Okay. He says there's a trumpet in both. No, there is not. The word trumpet is used in both, but in one, it's a literal trumpet. In another, it is a voice that is loud like a trumpet. And now he's got a catching away. Four things in chronological order. Boy, that's an awful coincidence. Um, The problem is you said we're not using symbolism. And one, it's a catching away in the spirit by, for one man. The other is a literal catching away of, of a body of the person, body, soul, and spirit. So those aren't even the same type of catching away. It's a completely different catching away and, and not by a multitude, but one, one man. So we don't have four things in common in chronological order. You can take two of those things and make it symbolic. Okay, fine. Let's, let's let the trumpet, but then that's still symbolic because we got voices like a trumpet, the, the words there both times, but it's so, but the, now we're being symbolic. So we're being in, in the, and in the voice that's like saying, you know what else, you know, what other word we see that they have in common, the both passages have the word the, and, and they have the word a in there and in, in, <laughs> that's a lot of coincidences right there. No, it's not. Okay. When you, it's not a coincidence when you have something super, super common, that's like pretty much in every passage, you know, and to, and to find them both in the same passage, that's not, that's not a coincidence. So this is bad. This is one of the worst arguments I've ever heard to prove Revelation 4 is the rapture. Just very quickly, I'm running out of time. <clears throat> Note if you would, verse 16, for the Lord himself should descend from heaven. Uh, there's the door with the shout, with the voice of the archangel. There's the voice, the trump of God. There's the trumpet. And here's, and we'll see the message in a moment. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, if I were to say to you, if you and I were standing facing one another, and I were to say to you, um, come here, but maybe someone 20 feet behind you uh, is deaf. They do not know what I said. They weren't close enough to read my lips. But all of a sudden, they saw me say something, and you began to approach and move towards me. They would have a really good idea, and no doubt this would be precedent in their life that they could uh, practice all the time, uh, that based on your action after what I said, it indicates very well probably what I said. I say that to say this. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it doesn't indicate exactly what Jesus said, but whatever that voice is in 1 Thessalonians 4, immediately 
the dead in Christ go up to heaven. Then we which are alive, we go up to heaven. It would be preposterous for us to assume anything other than that what Jesus said was indeed come up hither because that's exactly what takes place afterwards. And when he comes, he is going to make this happen. It's not a suggestion. He says something and we go. It is the same exact thing we find in Revelation chapter number four. Now, <clears throat> the point of this is all, of all of this is this. If you can take up First Thessalonians 4, if you can pick it up, if you can drop it down in Revelation 4, I would have you to be reminded very quickly, we're at the 12 minute mark and I have to stop, unfortunately, that when John is raptured in Revelation chapter 4, Previous to this, you see church, 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 church. You do not see it after Revelation chapter 4. John's rapture is prior to all 21 judgments of the tribulation period. His viewpoint of the rapture, or rather the tribulation, is from heaven, which is exactly where we're going to be. This indicates for us the timing of the rapture. Again, this is not our primary argument, but it is just another brick in that massive structure of doctrine that we're trying to show you that the Bible clearly indicates to us. Again, I would submit to you based on this and all the other passages and dovetails we've done that the Bible clearly indicates there will be a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture of all the saved of the times of the Gentiles. I'm ready. I hope that you're ready. And if you're not, trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and do it now. All right. So basically everything in this video was re just repeating stuff from other videos, except he added the door. Where is the door? I, where is the door in 1 Thessalonians 4? We don't see a door in 1 Thessalonians 4. We cannot take 1 Thessalonians 4 and Revelation 4 and put them over each other. And we have the same thing. We absolutely do not. That is, uh, there absolutely nothing was done to prove that. Ab absolutely nothing. Now, because we have a little bit of time, let me just do a little bit of something. Let's use, let's put some scriptures together. All right now, let's go to another passage that no one would dispute is about the rapture. Okay, the, Brother Alexander he would agree is about the rapture. How about First Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse fifty-one? Now he he I don't think he touched First Corinthians fifteen the entire series of videos about a pre-tribulation rapture. I don't, I don't think he touched it one time. And this is a passage everyone agrees is about the rapture, uh, or as Paul would call it, the resurrection of the dead. Uh, that's what Paul called it in 1 Corinthians 15. But again, we've already discussed why we can't call it the resurrection of the dead, because then you might associate it with the Jews' resurrection, and we're supposed to be separate, but we're not. We're, we're going up the same time as them. So it says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. And I want you, hey, I'm going to I'm going to say that brother Alexander does. I hope you got your Bibles out. Take your uh, make sure you have your Bibles and follow along and turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and I want you to mark that verse where it says, uh then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. What is that passage? Okay? So when we see Christ and our body is changed, at the resurrection, 
then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That is quoting Isaiah 25, 8. It says, he will swallow up death and victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. And it should be said in that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So a couple problems if you're pre-trib. One, it's, it's talking about his people. Well, that should be the Jews. If this is during Isaiah's time, he's talking to the Jews. And you know what? He is talking to the Jews here in Isaiah 25. But folks, Paul directly quoted this passage and he said when this mortal shall put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory and here it says he will swallow up death in victory and his people saying this is our god we have waited for him this is what we're looking for we're waiting for him to come we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies that's our blessed hope our blessed hope is not that we will escape tribulation it's that we will have a new and glorified body that is our blessed hope. His, his hope is that he'll miss tribulation. But no, the Bible never promised we would miss tribulation. The Bible promised we would have tribulation. The Bible did promise us, though, when we believed on Christ, that someday we would be changed, that we would become like him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will see him coming. It will not be a secret rapture. We will not just be walking one day and disappear. No. One day he will come in the clouds. The sun will be dark and moon turn to blood. We will see the sign, son of man. When we see him, immediately we will be changed. That will take place at his appearing. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. And so when that happens and that day comes and we, our bodies are changed, death is swallowed up in victory. And you know what else it says? It also says in there that he's going to wipe away tears from all fall faces. Okay. Now let's lay these passages over each other. Okay. And listen, there's not even argument about whether first Corinthians 15 can lay over Isaiah chapter 25. Paul did that. Paul quoted it. Okay. Now let's lay over revelation chapter seven with Isaiah 25. And notice after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God, which sit upon the throne and under the lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne in their faces and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor, power and might be under our God forever and ever. Watch this. And the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these that are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? So remember, John's already in heaven. Okay. John's in heaven. God's showing him things that are going to come to pass. God's showing him things that are going to take place before his return as he breaks the seals. And then finally, uh, after the seventh seal opens up that book and then he reveals God's wrath that they're waiting for. So here in chapter seven, after the sixth deal, after they see him and after the world is saying, hide us from him that sitteth on the phone and from the wrath of the lamb, all of a sudden 
we see a group of people appear in heaven from all over the world. What, who are these people? Where do they come from? I submit to you that these are the saints that were raptured. In Revelation 6, we saw the souls of martyrs under the throne. We don't see their bodies though. You know why? Because the resurrection hasn't taken place yet. We just see the bodies or the souls, not the bodies. But now we are seeing the souls and the bodies together. Why? Because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for the things done in our bodies. Okay, that can't happen when we go, our soul goes to heaven. We got to wait until we have our new and glorified bodies and we stand in the flesh before God. And that's what we're seeing here. And so notice the elders saying unto me, what are these that are arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? Where'd all these people come from? And I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. It sounds like, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, you see this group of people that just showed up in heaven. Uh, he's going to dwell with them. We're, we're with him forevermore. Boy, that's, that's kind of a coincidence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them on the living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Isn't that what we saw in Isaiah chapter 25? And what did Paul say? When this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass, saying there's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Isaiah 25 shows God wiping tears from off all faces. That's a lot of coincidences right there. That's an awful lot of coincidences right there. We have a multitude from every nation too, showing they have their bodies too. They can tell why that, you know why? Because you got people red, yellow, black, and white all standing there before the throne with palms in their hands. And I could say a lot about that too. I'm not even going to get into the significance of that. But without a doubt, this is the rapture. People who came out of great tribulation, just like we see in Matthew 24. And I know, I, I know what you pre-trippers, you're yelling, that's the second advent. That's tribulation saints. Stop quoting your pre-trib catechisms. Stop it. That is a pre-tribulation catechism. I directly connected these verses. Paul said, Isaiah 25 is fulfilled when this mortal puts on immortality. We see the same things taking place in Revelation 7. We see the tears being wiped away in Revelation 7. You can, folks, this is not symbolism. These are direct parallels. I don't need to make up a door in both passages or in one of the passages. I don't need to make anything up. I, these are actual connections that we see. So, I mean, are you, do you really want me? Am I really expected to teach Revelation 4 is the rapture when there is virtually about the only thing they legitimately have in common is a voice in both passages? That's it. And I'm supposed to ignore a multitude from all nations that appear before the throne in Revelation 7. God's wiping away tears from off all faces, even though Isaiah shows that happening in Isaiah 25. And Paul said that's fulfilled when this mortal puts on immortality.
And everybody agrees 1 Corinthians 15 is the rapture. Folks, pre-tribulational, dispensational theology is one of the most foolish, inconsistent, easily debunked eschatologies. It does not contain the worst heresies that are out there. Obviously, full preterism has the worst heresies of denying a literal return of Christ and a literal resurrection of the dead. That's 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 terrible. But as bad as those that heresy is, at least they've got some consistency in their arguments. And, and there's really all you have to do to debunk their teaching is prove a literal resurrection and a literal return. And I think that's easy. But again, pre-tribbers in an attempt to force a pre-trib doctrine. So Christians don't have to worry about going through tribulation or anything. They just tear the scriptures apart. I think it's terrible. It's inappropriate. It's shameful. We need to call it out. So I hope these videos were edifying. We're not meant to be an attack. Pastor Alexander is more than welcome at any point to come on this program and to respond to anything I said. If I have not been fair, if I have not been charitable, if I have misrepresented him, I am willing to be called out on it. And so uh, e either way, um, I do think these things were worth addressing. And so any, uh, I hope I hope you learned something from it. And But anyway, I appreciate everyone who watched all these. Please like, share, subscribe, and do all that good stuff. Share these with your pre-trib friends. Pre-tribbers, start, start helping each other out. If you're right, you should not want to hear other pre-tribbers saying some of the same nonsense and making these bad arguments. But those of you out there, if you wanted to bunk the pre-wrath position, go for it. You have every right to do that. Critique my videos. But you know what? Accurately represent. Don't build straw man. You will not help yourself out. Not impressed at all. So anyway, thank you again. We will see you all next time. God bless.